The same, uh, the same tools that we're using in the learning of Ion in the halachic and Talmudic world are the same tools that are in, it's incumbent upon us to apply that to the world of Mashava. The Rambam says, his last comment in Maseches Brachos on, in his uh, Perush HaMishnayos is he says that there is nothing more precious to me than to teach one matter of emuna, one matter of faith. There's nothing more precious to me, beholy mudai, and all my other teachings. And one could even argue that this was, you know, indeed the the uh, the life's work of the Rambam was uh, was primarily to get that to get that point across. But anyway, that's a conversation for a different day. Well, Bezrat Hashem will quote the Rambam during the course of this discussion now. But be that as it may, the point that I'm trying to get across now is that just like we are trying to, it's right, being in yeshiva is not just about quantitatively learning more. It's about raising the level of maturity that we have when we approach any area of Torah. The depth and sophistication uh, of how we approach Torah is being given a leg up. And again, that does not mean a quantitative increase necessarily, although when you're in yeshiva, naturally you're learning more hours than you would be not in yeshiva, at least hopefully, right? But again, the primary focus is to up our level of maturity and sophistication and depth of understanding. And similarly, to apply that to the world of Machshava is equally, um, at least equally important. And so Bezrat Hashem, that's what we try to do in this Chabura, focusing on things that are perhaps in Yana Diyoma, things that are uh, uh, pertinent to, to this, to the current time, um, or not. But we try to at least ha- to keep it as relevant as possible. So, I'm sorry to hit you guys with something so heavy just the second week that we're all getting together, but it is, um, this is the season to think about more serious things. And um, the partials that we're dealing with now are right now very, very, um, they're very, very appropriate to the tkufa that we're in, that we're going through. The, um, it's worth mentioning this, even though I wasn't planning on, the, planning on mentioning it. But Chazal say in the Gemara and Megillah, the very end of Daf Lamed Aleph. Ezra Tikin Lahem Li Yisrael, Shiyu Korin Klolos Sheba Mishnah Torah Kodem Rosh Hashanah, the Klolos Sheba Torahs Kohanim Kodem Ha'atzeras, that the curses in Sefer Vayikra, meaning Parshas Bechukosai, are read before Shavuos, and the Klolos, the curses of Sefer Devarim, are read before Rosh Hashanah. That's the Takana. Okay? So, the Gemara says the reason for this is, right, famously, the Gemara says, that the year should go out with its curses. You should go out with its curses. Now, if we understand, that, uh, if, simply, simply reading those words, you might think, well, we're reading the Torah anyway, like we need to finish it by the end of the year, right? So let's make sure that we get through this Parsha before Rosh Hashanah so that the, the year will go out with its curses. But this is Beferish, not the correct understanding of this Takana Rabosai. This is not the correct way of understanding that. And this is for a very simple reason. Because in that, in that same Masech, in fact, in that same page of Gemara, the Gemara says that the custom that we have of reading, of going through the Torah once every year was not what Chazal did. Right? Hanu B'nei Ma'arava, those people from the West, i.e. the people of Eretz Yisroh, Hayu Masayim Lo'araisa Chadla Tlas Shnin, it would be a triennial cycle. Once every three years, they would finish the Torah. So it wasn't that they were going to anyways read this parsha of Kisavo sometime during the year, so let's make sure we finish it before Rosh Hashanah. That's not the Takana. 
the takana of Ezra to read the Klalos of Mishnah Torah is akin to the takana of, let's say, the Dawid Parshios, of reading the Parsha of Amalek before, before, um, before Purim, or reading Parsha Zachodesh before Rosh Chodesh Nisan. Regardless of where you are in the Seder of the Torah, regardless of where you are, you could be in Sefer Vayikra for all we care, right? Regardless of where you are, the week before Rosh Hashanah, okay, not the, maybe not the week before Rosh Hashanah, okay, but, but, but before Rosh Hashanah, to read this Parsha of the Klalos, Kesher to the rest of Parshat Seva. You want to skip the part about the Bikurim? You want to skip the part about Vidar Maishas? That's fine. You got to read the Klolos before Rosh Hashanah. Right? Tosfos over there says that these Parshas that we're reading now of Nitzavim and Vayelech are also included the Ki'ilu in this Takana. Even though the Ikra Takana was on the Klolos, right, from the Hayah Imloti Shema until Vinismakartem the Ein Koneh, right, that you'll be sold and there'll be no one to buy you because you'll be so, so, so despicable. That's the Ikra Takana. However, the Parshas of, of, of Nisavim and Vayelech also include Me'ein Klolos, right, curses that we will, that we will see. And these things, just to understand the context of what's going on, Moshe Rabbeinu is giving a farewell speech. He's about to die. They know he's about to die. In fact, he's standing at the base of his grave. He's literally standing at the foot of the mountain, which he's going to be buried in. And he's giving a farewell speech to Jewish people, and it's very explicit that it's a farewell speech. He's constantly saying, you're going to go into the land, you're going to do X, Y, and Z, and this is, and this is what's going to happen to you. And, or, you know, you're going to go in the land, you're going to have this responsibility. Or you're going to do this right, or you're going to do that wrong. It's very explicit what's going on. And Moshe Rabbeinu was leaving with this message that hopefully his words will sound off in a powerful enough way that will carry through for the Jewish people as they're going in. So again, this is very, very appropriate of going into the Yemei Hadin to hear these parshios. <coughs> so the Pasuk in um, Parshas Vayelech, um, this is one of the only times where God chimes in to the, to the Parsha. Right? From the beginning of Sefer Tevarim, it's really a monologue of Moshe Rabbeinu. And this is one of the few, t- in fact, I think this might be the only time where, where HaKadosh Baruch Hu Ki'ilu chimed, it, there's one other time at the end of, at the end of, um, at the end of Ha'azinu. This and at the end of Ha'azinu, God chimes in, he steps in. Suddenly you hear Vayomer Hashem, right, that God says to Moshe, right? Hein karvu lamus. This is it, you're going to die. This is, this is the end of the road for you, okay? Call Yoshua and he's going he's gonna to take over, Okay? You're going to lie with your fathers. And they're going to go after the gods of this land, meaning Canaan. Okay? They're going to go after idolatry. They're going to be led astray after the, after the pagan systems of Canaan. Okay? The Ozovani, the Heferes Brisi, Asher Karatito. And they're going to go against the bris that I made with them. And I will be incredibly wrathful against them, and I will abandon them. And I will hide my face from them, and they will be consumed. This is what Moshe is saying right before he's about to die. This is, this is the message. This is the farewell message. You're going to go after paganism. You're going to be irredeemably corrupt by Vodazara, and God's going to get angry at you, and you're all going to be consumed. See ya. That this is Moshe, right? This is this is the this is the message, okay? Va'omar bayomahu, and you will say on that day, the day as you're being consumed, okay, because of God's wrath. This is what you're going to say. Halo alkein because there is no God within my midst. All of these horrible calamities have found me. 
Vanochi haster asir panai bayomahu, and I will hide my face from them on that day. I'll call her a'a because of all the evil that they have done. Kifana el Elohim acherim, because they have turned their face to other gods. And that segues into the next parsha of Hazin. This message of <clears throat> what the Jewish people are going to say on that day. And as we know, that day is the proverbial that day. There wasn't just one period of history where the Jewish people have found themselves in a nation, a nation, nation national level calamity. Right? That day is, 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 there's been many days like that. And the Jewish people will declare on that day, Haloki To examine the idea of 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 chait and our the 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 dynamic of our relationship with Hakadosh Baruch Hu is mediated through Shmira Satara, the way in which the extent to which we guard the statutes of the Torah is the medium via which we have a relationship with Hashem. Now, many people understand the nature of that relationship. It's essentially the relationship between an employee and an employer, right? You were hired to do a job. In our case, you might not have wanted to be hired for that job. You've been hired against your will, but you have a job and you have to do X, Y, and Z. And if you do it, the employer will reward you. And if you don't, then you're in trouble. That's, the, that's basically the dynamic of the relationship. Okay? And there is truth in that simplistic representation of how that works. However, however, the true essence of our dynamic with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, of our relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, is one much more, of much more intense closeness. Of not a reciprocal, right, I work for you, you give, right, you do this for me and I'll do that for you, right? Not just, not, right? but but rather the, the, the nature of the relationship is something much more intrinsic, much more inherent. Let's try to delve into this a little bit more deeply. I'm reading now from the Sefer HaChinuch, which is attributed to Rav Aaron Halevi, the Ra'ah, the Talmud of the Ramban, although there's some questions on the exact authorship, but one of the Gedole Harishonim. This is on the mitzvah of Hanhagas HaMetzara B'Kriyo Prima, that there's a mitzvah that when someone is declared to be contaminated by Tzaras, he has to dress in a certain way in order, and he has to let people know that he's tummy. It's a mitzvah in the Torah. Not only does he have to refrain from touching, th- you know, touching certain things or go outside of the city, he has to also declare to everyone that he is in fact tummy in order so that people will distance himself, themselves from him. Bezel Amram Zichonam Livracha in the Gemara and Erechen, who he deal Beloshon Harab and Ishli Ishto, Ben Adam Lechavero, the Fikach Michutz Lamachane O'Alo. Because he caused this strife between people with his Lashon Hara, so therefore he also needs to be separated from people. And he experiences in a very intense way what he brought about through his actions. Vichlau Gadol Bechol Hadvarim. And this is a tremendous uh, principle in all matters of Torah. In the, in the measurement that a person measures, that is the measure that he receives. And the proper understanding of this. Most people do not understand this idea correctly, says the Chinuch. They think that it's in the manner, the same way that one person will give a reward to his friend. 
Shakol echad yishalim es chaver gemul kfi atovah shasayimo. That just like you do me a favor and I pay you back, you scratch my back, I scratch yours, or you do this favor for me and I'll do something for you later. That's the nature of how we interact with the Kodesh Baruch Hu. The low kain ha'inyanets Hashem hu chalila chalila to say that that is in fact the way that we interact with Hashem. Ki ein im Hashem nizbarach ki im tova vechesed rachamim leolam. The only thing that emanates from HaKadosh Baruch Hu is tov, goodness, chesed, kindness, v'rachamim, and perpetual mercy. And at every single moment, at every single moment, all of this goodness is ready and accessible to the one who wants to receive it. This is what David HaMelech means when he's constantly referring to how God never sleeps. What does that mean, God never sleeps? It means he's always active. The activeness of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, of this perpetual outpouring of goodness, is constant. There's no breaks. It's a constant outpouring of the chesed. And anyone who wants to receive it at any moment can decide that they want to receive it. That which Chazal say in the Gemara in, in, in Sota, that the measure for which someone measures out, that is the measure which he receives. The intention is, whether his actions are good or the opposite, that determines the extent to which he is able to receive that good. That's what we're saying. That, the, that, the, that whether or not, the way that a person acts determines the extent to which he is able to receive the perpetual, constant outflowing of a Kaddosh Baruch Hu's goodness. So it's not that I do X and God says, oh, he did X, okay, so let's do Y for him. Okay, he did A, let's do B. That's not how it works. That's not the dynamic. The dynamic mitzad HaKadosh Baruch Hu, as the Navi in Malachi famously says, Ani avaya lo shinisi. I have never once changed, never, since the beginning of the world. As many people have the custom to say in Tefillah Shachris, God is the God that was before the creation and after the creation. God is, God, is, God is not changing. The question is, are we changing? And if we are changing, then what is the change producing? What is the change producing? At the moment that a person decides that he's going to put all of his thoughts, the Asr Ma'asav, and all of his actions, to that extent, that is what he will receive. Right? It would be like saying that if a person, you know, those who wear wristwatches, I haven't worn a wristwatch for a while, but it would be like saying, you know, a person, a person, a person wears a watch, he takes it off at night, and he sees that the place where he had his watch on is paler than the rest of his skin. Why is that? Was his skin to say that the skin was punished for wearing the watch is not the correct way of understanding it. It's not. The correct way of understanding is that, that that he's walking around outside and the sun is pouring down on him constantly, all the time, all the time. And this person decided that he would that a certain part of his body was going to cover and not expose it to the sun. So that part of his skin is going to reflect the fact that it wasn't exposed to the sun. In Hanami, in the same exact way, Rabosai, in the same exact way depending on our actions, right? Our actions and our thoughts, our speech, every facet of our, of, our, of our behavior determines the extent to which we're going to receive that shining shefa that is constantly coming about all the time. Uh, we're going to read now a section from the Rambam in Mora Nebuchim, uh, in 
the third Chelek of Mar Nevuchim, Perek Nun Aleph. So the Rambam says over here, in towards the very end of the chapter, he says the following. Um, it was revealed to me a tremendous secret. Iyun is not the correct translation. It's really supposed to be sowed. It was revealed to me a tremendous secret. Okay, what was the tremendous secret that was revealed to the Rambam? And through this understanding, many difficulties are understood. A person who has dedicated his mind, dedicated his thoughts to focusing on godliness, tamid always. The hashgacha of Hakadosh Baruch Hu will be on that person to the extent to which he orients his mind to godliness. And a person, even if, a, if a, a small moment, he removes his mind from focusing on lofty things, that hashgacha will leave him for that, for, that, for that period of time. When the person is locked in, he's locked in. When he's not locked in, he's not. Right? He says, it's not going to be as bad as someone who has never, ever experienced the 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 consciousness or the awareness of Akadosh Baruch Hu. but it will certainly be diminished. Meaning, there's a difference between someone who is typically oriented in the correct way and then for a moment has a has a break, so to speak. There's a difference between such a person and someone who has never experienced God 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 consciousness. However, it will be diminished. It will be diminished. Okay, we're going to skip a little bit just to get to uh, to our uh, to our inyan. his amsa es it has been shown to me that this understanding is correct. Gam kein midivrei Torah, from the words of the Torah itself. Omar yisbarach v'istarti ponai mehem, that I will, as a result of the Jewish people's sins, that they become corrupted by Avodah with the Pasuk that we just read a moment ago in Parshas Vayelech. V'hayol ha'echol, they will be consumed. Umitsa'u ra'os rabos v'tsaros, and they will, they will find them tremendous calamity and pain. V'amar bayom ahu, and they will say on that day, because there is no God within me, all of these evils have befallen me. Says the Rambam, we see from here, the hiding of God's face. We are the ones that cause it. Meaning God doesn't decide He's going to hide His face. We are the ones that cause God, God's hiding face. We are the ones that create that masach, the mask, between him and us. The hu amro, and that is what is meant by the very next pasuk. On all the evil that they have done. What, what, is, the, what is the kol hara'ah on all the evil that they have done? So you might say that the abshad, well, it's referring to the ra that they, we were just talking about, the fact that they went after Avodah Zarah, they, right? Says the Rambam, no, that's not the ra'ah. The ra'ah is that they said, That's the ra'ah. The evil is the fact that they said, oh, there's no God in my midst. 
That's the ra'ah. And the moment that a person says, din whether it's an individual or a congregation, the moment that they say that, that there is no God within me, right? At that moment, all of the calamity befalls. At that moment, that's it. Because you've made a decision. You've cut yourself off. You said, okay, well, there's no God in my midst. That's it. So you've been cut, right? If, 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 if one particular chait, if, if any given chait is the cutting off of that shefa, of that outflow, of that outpouring of goodness in one specific way, if one particular chait is cutting off the shefa in one specific facet, the declaration of ki ein elohai bikirbi, there is no God within me, that is cutting it off completely. Ein elohai bikirbi, there is no God within me. That's it. And that triggers the mitzauhu raos rabos vitzaros. That triggers the great and awful calamities that befall us. <laughs> there is a parak of Tehillim that we say uh, the, it is the custom of, as far as I know, uh, the majority of the Jewish people to say during, during this period of time in Tehillim Chof Zion. I remember years ago I had a conversation with Rav Horn about this Perak of Tehillim. You can ask him to be marech on his mahalach over here. But the Perak has two distinct halves to it. The first half is, is, is pretty happy. It's pretty, you know, it's pretty uppity, right? Hashem, Orivi, Yishi, Mimira, God is my, he's going to save me. I don't have anything to worry about, etc., etc. And then right in the middle, it takes, <laughs> takes a 180 and becomes rather, uh, rather bleak. I have no, I have no hope of ever, right, of ever seeing God in the land of the living. It doesn't right? So this, 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 that switch is mamish in the middle of the parak. Now there is a pasuk in this parak of Tehillim that is almost not translatable. Huh? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I got it. The pasuk says, okay, it's a short pasuk. Is there anyone that can translate that sentence? Just translate that sentence. That's just half the pasuk. If you were to translate that literally, right, it would come out something like, "Because to you, my heart said, request my face." That is completely incoherent. I just want to know the shot of the words. What does that mean? Rashi gives us a hint as to what is being said over here in this in this in this puzzle. For you as your messenger. Meaning as your God's messenger. Okay? Libi bakshu kulchem Yisrael esponai. The Jewish people should seek out my face. Esponecha Hashem avakesh lecha says Rashi. When it says lecha, it doesn't mean to you. Ela kamo the pasuk in Eiv hein ani kafecha lael. Meaning, it, it's not to you, but rather for you. There's a construct in Moshe Makodesh where where the to you doesn't mean to you. It means in place of you, in place of you. So with the the lecha amar libi. Is as if it's saying it's not to you, my heart says. It's in in your stead, representing you. My heart says the following. Okay. Now just hold that thought for one moment. And the Midrash Rabbah over here. Yeah. Tough. In the fifth parak of Shir Hashirim. So, 
there's a description where I think we actually mentioned the Shir Hashirim last week. That the the dynamic of Shir Hashirim is the character, a feminine character and a masculine character, right? The feminine be, representing the Jewish people and the masculine representing Hakadosh Baruch Hu. And there's a scene where the woman character is in her house and she's going to sleep and she's really tired and she hears a knock at the door, and it's and it's the it's the man that's she's right? he's coming to look for her, and she says, you know, I'm really tired. I'm I want to get up. I'm a little. Right, I've already, I've already gotten to bed. I want to, I don't want, right? It's cold. All these reasons why she doesn't want to get up and open the door to let this person in, okay? And then immediately she realizes, what am I doing? And she leaps out of bed and opens the door, and there's no one there, right? I open the door, right? He left. He left already. And then she goes, right? I go out and I'm looking throughout the whole city, looking for him. I can't find him, right? Well, obvious, right? Very poignant mashal to describe the relationship between the Jewish people and HaKadosh Baruch Hu. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is seeking, seeking out the Jewish people and the Jewish people out of laziness or not, 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 not finding the motivation miss their opportunity, so to speak. But the, just this one pasuk that just, just right, to hone in on, right? Ani yashan v'libi er. Ani yishena, rather. I am sleeping v'libi er. But my heart was awake. What does that mean? My heart was awake. Meaning, I'm sleeping. I'm falling asleep. I'm, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not with it anymore. But libi air enough to know to realize that there's someone knocking, right? That there's someone knocking at the door. Kol dodi do fake, and my, my beloved is knocking at the door. Do fake already, right? It's like a double entendre because it's knocking at the door, but it's also the lave is do fake. The lave, right? The heart beats. The heart is beating. So it's like, the, the one part of me that is awake is beating. I'm sensitive to it. Okay? Says the Midrash, I am, I am sleeping from all the mitzvos, but my heart is awake to gemilas chasadim. I am sleeping from all forms of righteousness, but my heart is awake to do them. Okay, the, the Medrash gives a bunch of examples, but what's being said? What does it mean that I'm, I'm sleeping from the mitzvot, but my heart is awake in order to be able to do them? My heart, I'm asleep from the karbonos, but my heart is, right, is, is, uh, is awake to tefillah and kriyashma. What that means is, is that the, the, the Jewish people are in a state of dormancy. They're asleep. They no longer have the Beis HaMikdash. They no longer have their Malchus. But their heart, their heart is awake looking for opportunities to be able to fulfill that in some way. They don't have karbonos, but right, feels b'makom karbonos tiknum, b'makom tamidim tiknum rather, right? The karbonos are some vestige of what the karbonos used to be, some type of right experience of what that service, right, of what that service of a Baruch Hu could be, right? My heart is is it's right, it's like a radar. I'm open, looking for the for the opportunities to fulfill what was lost. Amar Rabbi Chia Bar how do we know that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is called the heart of the Jewish people? As it says in the Pasuk in Tehillim, You are tied into my heart and you are my portion, Elohim Leolam, God forever. The Pasuk, What that means is, is that there's a little bit of a Baruch Hu, which is in the person's heart. The little bit, 
the little bit that never loses consciousness, that never, never loses touch with the reality. Even if the person is sleeping, Ani, Shaina, I'm sleeping, but there's a little bit that's still awake. And that little bit is the HaKadosh Baruch Hu that literally is dwelling within the recesses of a person's consciousness. Right? There's a little... There's a, there's a little audit, auditory device, so to speak, planted deep within the recesses of our consciousness that's, that's calling out, Bakshu Fanai, seek me out. Seek me. I'm waiting. I'm knocking at the door. Come. Get me. Right? And despite the fact that a person is sleeping, there's a little bit of that, of, of that of, of, again, within the deep recesses that's still awake. There's something there that's always still awake. When the when the when the bein biyachid bein berabim, as the Rambam says, when either when an individual or when the community says, "Ain Elohai b'kirbi," there is no God within me. They're denying that that peace. They're denying that phenomenon that there's a that there's something there that's trying to bring me back, and they're cutting themselves off completely. Chazal say in the Gemara and Sota, second Gemara and Sota that we're quoting. But, but this is from the other end. The first one was from Dafches. This was from all the way at the end. Right? A person does not sin until a spirit of insanity dwells within him. Does anyone know what the definition of shtus, insanity, is according to halacha? Can you give me like a working definition? Okay, very good. He's quoting from he's quoting from the Gemara and Chagiga. But what's the point of meaning? Like, what's the what's the common denominator of all like all these things? Oh, abnormal! Oh, abnormal! I would say that you're demonstrating that you are not aware of your surroundings. That's the definition of a shota. Someone who does things, he's walking casually through a dangerous place in the middle of the night. He's showing that he's not aware of anything that's going on. In other words, he's sleeping. He's sleeping while he's awake. That's what it means. He's not conscious. A person sins when they have their conscious, the, right, this ruach shtus enters them and they are cut off. They're cut off from their surroundings. There's no connection between anything that's going, all the mess, all the signals that are being given in, he's not able to receive the input. Right? This is the, this is the ruach shtus. Where was I going with this? Uh, The parak of Tehillim in Parak Nun Aleph is a parak that David Hamelech uh, composed uh, in response to the episode of Bathsheba. Now, the episode of Bathsheba is a very uh, difficult, um, very difficult parak because it really it's David Hamelech at, at his at his worst, really, as the pasuk makes clear. Right, that that it says after David Amelech even passes away, that it says that David was complete with Hakadosh Baruch Hu, levad, right, levad michet Uriah achiti, except for the sin involving Uriah the Chitite, he was completely shalim with Hakadosh Baruch Hu. When Nasan, the prophet, came to him and started rebuking him for what he had done with Bathsheba, he wrote the following parak of Tehillim. And he's really, it's very, it's a very, very intense parak of Tehillim. 
Have kindness with me. Have mercy on me. I know that I made a terrible mistake, but I need your mercy in order to be right. Bring back joy to the bones that you have crushed. Very, very intense, very intense language. Take my broken heart as a carbon. He's really, he's pouring, he's, he's, saying, he's opening up everything. He's, leave, he's leaving no, no holds back, so to speak. Now, examining this story, just very, very quickly. Right? The story of Asheva is uh, brought to us in, the, in Shmuel Bey's uh, Parakut Aleph and Parakut Bey's. Okay? So, for those who are familiar with the story, so David um, uh, catches sight of Bathsheba and he decides that he's going to take her as his own and he forms a relationship with her while her husband Uriah is out fighting with the general, Yoav. Okay? And Yoav and David conspire to have Uriah killed in battle. Um, and David says, after you, after you take care of it, so... so Report back to me and tell me that it was done. The messenger comes to David and he tells him everything that Yoav had told him. The enemy was very strong, right? The archers on the wall, they, 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 they killed many of our men and also Uriah was killed. I mean, it's not, it's not specific. He doesn't come and say, yes, we, we, you know, that guy that we conspired to kill, we killed him. He's not, he's not saying that. It's very like under, under the table. Yeah, we, it's a hard battle. And, you know, we got to the gate and there were archers and like some other, some people died. This guy died and also Uriah died. Right? <laughs> and what does David say? Don't worry about it. Right? Listen, this is war. The sword consumes this person, the sword consumes that person. It happens, don't worry about it. Okay? Continue on with your, on with your fight. And this matter was exceedingly evil in God's eyes. So we see that David, he's, right, this is not like a one-off hate in a moment of weakness. He's literally conspiring to not only steal someone's wife, but also kill the husband in a very elaborate scheme and he's not even being explicit about it. Right? The very next Pasuk. Right? This is the beginning of Parakut Beis. Vayishlach Hashem el Nasan Excuse me. Vayishlach Hashem es Nasan el David. God sends Nasan to David. Okay? And, David, and he immediately uh, goes into the following rebuke. Vayomer lo there was one person who was rich and another person who was poor. The rich one had a lot of animals, a lot of cattle, a lot of sheep. And the poor person had nothing. All he had was one little sheep. Okay? And he, and he, and he raised the sheep and grew it. And it was part of his family. And the rich person said, I don't want any of my sheep. I want that one sheep of the poor guy. That's the, that's the sheep that I want. And he goes and he steals the poor guy's sheep. Okay? And when David heard this story, he's enraged. He's enraged at this guy, at this rich guy who stole the sheep. What a horrible thing to do. I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill that guy who stole the sheep, even though he had all the sheep that he wanted, but he had to go get the sheep of that one guy 
because he right, he wanted to steal the poor guy's sheep. You are the man. Now we reading the story, we know what's being said. We know from the beginning that this is that the muscle is talking about him. But David doesn't know that he's David is he's he's asleep. He doesn't even know what's going on. From the moment that he starts conspiring, he's completely detached, completely removed. He can't even speak to the messenger, the guy that he told to go and knock off Uriah. He, he can't even speak to him explicitly. He's like, yeah, listen, it happens. War is a terrible thing. And okay, thank you for the news about Uriah. Now go back and continue the fighting. And when the, and the Navi comes and starts rebuking him and gives him a muscle that says clear as day, clear as day, describing exactly what he did, he doesn't even know that he's, being, that he's the one being referred to until the Navi makes it explicit, right? And at that point, at that point, when, when David hears it, he yells out, he says, Indeed, I have sinned before HaKadosh Baruch At that point, at that point, he breaks down. And this is the Perak of Tehillim that he composes at that moment. Meaning, what's the moment? The moment that he realizes that he's been asleep the entire time. That he went through this entire thing of stealing Bathsheba and conspiring to kill her husband. And at that moment, he wakes up, he's like, yep, I, 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 I blew it. I've been living, I've been living this, this, this corruptness the entire time. <laughs> it is this moment that it is incumbent upon us to get back in touch with that with that voice that's emanating out of our own hearts. The greatest sin that the Jewish people commit, and indeed, the best of my knowledge, this is the last speaking of a chait that Moshe warns the Jewish people about. Again, he marches, in, right, he goes, the segues into the Shir of Hazinu, which also talks about sins, but those are, you know, sins in the theoretical of many generations later. The specific warning of Moshe Rabbeinu to the people, don't do this. <laughs> the last warning is, don't get to a point where you're going to be saying, don't ever get to that place. Because if you get to that place, that's going to trigger all of the calamity. That's the thing that's going to trigger the calamity. Bezrat Hashem. <laughs> this is a very, very deep Musar that we all have to, it is incumbent upon us to get in touch with as we are getting into Yemei Adin. The Din, the Din that we are describing, the Din that occurs on Rosh Hashanah, it's not going on in some other place. It's not going on in some faraway court or even a heavenly court. It's going on inside of us. It's the decision of the person, the, the decision that the person makes on Rosh Hashanah is in the end of the day, Koveya the Din. That is, right, the person who makes the Psak Din for each person is that person, the individual. The individual makes his own Psak Din. And just, and to the extent that we make up Psak Din, HaKadosh Baruch Hu also makes up Psak Din. Indeed, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is in a way more passive than us. He's waiting for our decision. He's waiting to respond to the decision that we're going to make. And that's the decision. And to the extent to which we listen to the Shofar and inculcate the message of the Shofar to wake us up, as the Rambam famously says, right, to wake up and to listen to the voice that's emanating out of our own hearts. Wake up, I'm waiting, come, open the door for me. Right? To the extent that we listen to that, right, that will trigger the din that we're looking for. And to end and to just to end off with the with the end of that midrash from Shir Ashir. Right? What is the lave that that right that 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 that's calling out of the of the of the of the awakened heart, the lev that's 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 air that's awake still. What is it calling out? 
If you open for me an opening, small as a needle, I will open up for you get like 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 wide gates, like the gates of the Mikdash, right? These wide open gates. Because that's, because that's exactly what it is. If we open up a little bit to hear that voice, to that extent, HaKadosh Baruch, right, HaKadosh Baruch Hu responds. And this is, the, and this is, this is, this in the end of the day is the Musar Abosah. The Musar is, is that, to know that it's all, it's all in our hands. It's, 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 it's as simple as making a decision. It's as simple as making the decision. What is it that we want to do? Where is it that we want to orient ourselves to? Where, which direction do we want to go in? It's as simple as that. And if you think that making a decision is, okay, fine, so I'll walk into Shul on the morning, I'll make a decision, I say, yes, I would like to be at Sada Gummer and turn around and walk out. That's not, how, right? That's not how making a decision works. Making a decision means that, right, as, right, as we say in the halachic jargon, gemiras das, your, your, your consciousness is made up. That's it. I'm committed to doing this. There's a very, very powerful story with the Chavetz Chaim that I heard a number of years ago in the name of Ramosh Shapiro Zikon of the Bracha. That is on Purim, and the Chavetz Chaim was in his house, and he had a bunch of Bachrim there from Radin. And things as they are were very, uh, you know, rowdy and lively on Purim. And, uh, <clears throat> and one of the Bachrim, right, as the Chavetz Chaim is coming back from the kitchen into the dining room, so one of the Bachrim gets up and he stops the Chavetz Chaim at the door to the dining room. He says, I'm not going to let, I'm not going to let the, the Rav go until he tells me uh, until he until he tells me the secret to getting olam haba like the level of the Rebbe. I want to know how how to get the olam haba of the Rebbe. I'm not I'm not right, I'm not moving. And the Chavetz Chaim says, without skipping a beat, he says, if you accept upon yourself at this very moment to never speak a negative word about anyone ever again in the rest of your life, you'll have olam haba like me. And the Bachar thought about it for a minute, and he stepped away. He said, I can't do it. I can't commit to that. <laughs> I can't do it. If we're really real with ourselves to know what it means to make a commitment, to say, like, this, like, this is what I want to do. And, 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 and it's, the, now is the hachana to think about what, it, what the decision that we want to make is. So that when we get to Yemei Adin, when we get to the actual days where the decision needs to be made, so we'll have the impetus and we'll have the, we'll have the, we'll have the fortitude, the fortitude to make the decision that we want. And this, this is the Yemei Achana. But to know in the end of the day, that the greatest chait that we can do is to declare Ein Elohai Bikirbi and Adarabah, Adarabah. To now is the time to hone in deeply on the on the voice that's calling out, the deafening voice that's calling out from each and every one of us.